This is an NBA Night Chat with Deuce and Mo. How we doing on a Monday night? Plenty of stuff going on in the world of the NBA. Plenty of stuff. For those who are watching us tonight, we just chill and do this. We're going to do this more during the offseason where we just come on, some topics, kind of a free-flowing thing. We'll talk some NBA finals, mix in some other NBA topics. And just kind of hang out and have a good time and probably laugh about random things too. <laughs> we should mention. What that made me laugh. <laughs> we should mention that this week on the podcast, Wednesday, we're dropping a conversation with Bobby Gerald from hoopobsession.com. Love We him. go over all things draft. And then Friday, we're drop, dropping a chat with Jeremy Wu from ESPN. So that'll be fun. Fun little week ahead. How you doing, Mo? I'm really good. I'm. I love these. I love, you know. I think it's because of music. The, the music kind of sets the tone for what it's going to be. Not only that, it's just that we're set. I feel like we are the same vibe, but a different vibe off season versus uh, in season do some Yeah. Because like in season, it's like emotions. Yes. And off season, it's like we chilling. We on summertime yeah and there's no like number four pick this year the kings have the 24th pick so it's like yeah and, hey, and whatever that. happens man just let it happen huh even with sasha vazenkov we've been like we we were you know covering everything when he was playing in the championship and um all the reports mike brown go in there and everything but obviously like you just have to wait so we chilling <laughs> we just waiting Appreciate the live crowd hanging out with us, too, on YouTube and Twitch. Make sure to hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe. We'll get to some of the chats throughout our night chat tonight. The NBA Finals tied up at 1-1, Morgan. This Miami Heat, man. I did a little recap last night after the game by myself. By yourself? Without you. That would be by yourself, correct. Yep. And I compared the Miami Heat to horror film villains. Because you think like... Can you say that again? Horror, horror <laughs> film <laughs> villains. Thank you. I said it right the first time. It just sounded, you know, like horror film villains. And it's like, where are we going? No, I wasn't going that okay. route. Okay. So horror films. Horror film villains. Like Chucky, Freddy Krueger, Jason. F those guys. When you think they're dead, you start you feel good. Oh, man, they're dead. They're gone. And then they come out nowhere. And end you. Chainsaws, knives. That's the Miami Heat. With less weapons, yes. Oh, they they got weapons. Oh. They got a whole bunch of weapons. Yeah, actually, that's a great point. Human weapons. I love it. It is wild to see how they're continuously counted out. And I think we all do it. We all go, hey, like, you can't count them out, but then we do. Like, after game one. I think most of us watched game one and went, well, that it was... No, and remember, I stopped you. I even said, Deuce, you're the one that said to me before this series, you can't count out the Miami Heat. And you're like, well, well, well. And you were even like trying to backtrack on you sticking up for people saying you can't count them out. It's okay to go back and forth, but stop it. Because you are one of those people that's like kind of counting them out. When the Nuggets give you a little like um, confidence in what their product is on the floor. I just think peak, I take peak nuggets over peak Miami Heat, and I trust peak nuggets over peak Miami Heat being there. And that's just Absolutely. based on the sample size of the season when 
I feel like now with Miami, you can't even you can't even think about their regular season with them anymore. It just doesn't matter. None of it applies. It's not like Gabe Vincent was dropping 20 points all the time throughout the NBA regular season. In fact, I saw a stat on Twitter last night about Gabe Vincent and his 20-point games. That was pretty crazy. This is from the Associated Press talking about what Gabe Vincent has done in the playoffs with his 20-point games as I try to scroll to find it. This person tweets a lot. Wow. My goodness. Okay. A lot of stats. (laughs) It just keeps going. Here we go. Here we go. Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent Morgan had 20 plus points in seven of 68 regular season games. He has done it five of the 19 playoff games. Amazing. I I mean, that's exactly going to your point about regular season heat compared to postseason heat. And um, we've seen other funny tweets and memes like, the Miami Heat gaslit us all, all season long, <laughs> acting like, yeah, trying to manipulate us. Like, they're not that good of a team. And look what they are. They're they're a really good team together. When they play together, and that is their brand, it's fun basketball. And, I mean, look what it's accomplishing. There was a lot to unpack after last night's game. I feel like... Malone had some interesting moments post game one where he called out his team where everyone knew he was calling out Michael Porter Jr. And then Spolstra was asked about, or she asked, excuse me, what am I saying? Oh, you got it. (laughs) Ramona (laughs) Shelbourne asked Spolstra about how they're defending Jokic. Here's how it went down. This is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just, that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say... <laughs> Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Uh, and we he has our full respect. I thought that whole exchange was interesting because I thought, number one, it was a fair question by Cheryl, Ramona Shelbourne. Like, well, it was the narrative after the, uh, even leading into to game two, it was like, hey, you don't want Jokic to to have 14 assists like you did the first game. Let him score. Let him score. Like, make sure you're defending everyone else. But I think most rational people were looking at like that, like, hey, you're not going to stop this guy anyway. So can you... T- can you try to take away the other guys because they're so good with him and he's so good getting them involved? So good. And I feel like Spolstra was taking it like somewhere suggesting all you have to do is turn this guy into a score and he's ineffective. I, I don't I didn't look at it that way at all. I'm just thinking, what's your best chance to try to win? And even though they did that, they barely won the game. And maybe maybe I don't know why Eric Spolstra... Let's break down Eric Spolstra. I don't even know why he would maybe take it like that. Like Ramona Shelbourne was trying to um, insinuate something else. But you felt... I felt like he was 
making sure he wasn't going to give them, being the Denver Nuggets, any any sort of motivation going into game three. You know, like, I think For it was sure. a quick, like, I think he's such a smart guy and he is calculated like that yeah, too. I think he overreacted. He could have been like, oh, this guy's unbelievable. He can beat you in so many ways. We were just able to knock down some shots tonight and I like how he played, but it's going to be a long series. Instead, he dropped the new line. Instead of everyone calling casual NBA fans casuals, we're going to like, oh, those are those untrained eyes, huh? You know <laughs> the like game. It. You got them untrained eyes. That's the new, I love that. I'm totally going to use that on people. Untrained eyes. You're an idiot. Next. Well, it was interesting. Last night, Draymond Green had Steve Kerr on his podcast. Oh, yeah. Do these two have untrained eyes? You know, you mentioned them starting love. Uh, that allowed Jimmy Butler to guard Murray. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was like, I don't, you know, I haven't talk to Spo or anything like that, but I can see them in their coaches meetings saying, Murray's the head of the snake. You know, not not Jokic. Like, like yeah. you, if you just look at it, you go, well, Jokic is the head of the snake. But mm -hmm. when you play a team, you sort of realize, wait a second, like that guy's gonna, he's gonna dominate no matter what we do. So yeah. we got, this is the head of the snake. And I think they just decided Murray's the guy we gotta stop. So you start love put Jimmy Butler on Murray and then you saw like they were blitzing Murray quite a bit yep. and uh, really trying everything to take him out of the game it's and even that Murray had 18 points 10 assists like he still got numbers he just wasn't it wasn't himself. his game right he wasn't himself and it's it's tough when you when I saw that on a graphic quoted from Steve Kerr I was like oh what is he saying and then I heard the clip and I was like oh I understand his breakdown and not only do I understand his breakdown I mean he's someone who is in it and has won at a very high level multiple times where I I understand what he is trying to say there because I mean Jokic is your head of the snake no matter what yeah, I think his point is like, we got to cut off something. We can't deal with Jokic is just going to do it. Every... Okay, he's going to score 40. He could score 50. He could score 30 and give you a 20, 14. It doesn't, he's going to fill it up in some regard every single game. Let's use a different animal to like cut up. So like Jokic would be like the head of a horse. So at least if you, Jamal Murray is the leg, then you cut off a leg. The horse is going to be like, the horse is on all fours. It's not going, Morgan. I'm just, I'm this just, this is like... a sloppy analogy. <laughs> and it's one that more a, a horse like has a slight limp at a racetrack and they put him down. Oh wait, you're right. So with it's a terrible, so with no, all the drama no. Around uh, the Kentucky Derby. You're absolutely yeah. The right. Kentucky Derby is like, yeah, we actually Churchill downs. We can't, actually have races anymore uh, until we figure out why all these horses are dying no uh, no okay. we can stick with the, the snake that's that's a the fine snake just doesn't have any other body parts that I was, I was trying to get to like just another body part that an animal would have and it's like oh that's jamal murray because like uh, yeah going deep into this i thought it was surprising to see how much more effective that miami zone was in that fourth quarter with Jokic in the game. I thought they did a great job. I mean, it really took away the Murray-Jokic pick and rolls. They did a great job just trying to get the ball out of Murray's hands. Jokic couldn't get the ball in his spot. Like, he was at the free throw line 
ready to, he was in a position to try to make something happen. His teammates really couldn't give him the ball. They had some bad turnovers. It was pretty impressive what they did late in that game. Yeah. Um, they, well, one, <laughs> that game felt like it was the Denver Nuggets game. The most of the game, right? And I thought what the heat, did you not feel that way? No, I mean, I felt like it was just back and forth. Miami got off to a good start. Denver had a good second quarter. Jokic was awesome in the third and the fourth quarter. After was all that Miami. Start, just... After that start, I'm saying it felt like it was the Nuggets. Like, their home, their crowd was in it. I mean, they just felt like they got things going. Even when the Heat kept getting close, I was like, wow, it's only a three-point game now? It's only a six-point game now? How do they do There's no way. There's no way that it can keep going in that direction. And they just one believe in themselves and it just shows on the floor it doesn't matter who is on the floor they can just do amazing things when they play together and they trust each other and they let other guys in different roles step up and have a good game it felt like every everybody on the team last night had a moment or a stretch like Duncan Robinson had a stretch <laughs> in the fourth quarter where he comes down and scores 10. You're like, holy shit. To start the game, Max Struess, who was 0 for 10 in game one, comes out, knocks down like yes. 3 or 4 from downtown. Jimmy had a nice stretch. Bam. Right? Like Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent again leading the team in scoring. Kevin Love had some good moments. And that was an interesting adjustment by Spolster to put him back in the starting lineup. He even said after the game, he said, I think it was an oversight by me as a coach to not play him in game one, especially with the size advantages that it, Miami had, or excuse me, Denver has. It's totally fair, too, that he, because he went with Caleb Martin in game one, right? Right, and then Caleb's and, been, like, really sick. Some talked about, like, the elevation, my elevation sickness. Yeah. And migraines. And yeah, no, and you saw what he did last night in 22 minutes, three points, you know, was a non-factor last night, and it's crazy that we can go from one series talking about Caleb Martin being the Eastern Conference Finals MVP yeah. to not even playing. And that's just what postseason basketball is, though, right? Like, the adjustments that need to be made. And I don't think, I mean, again, just from an outsider, I don't think Eric Spolstra, I don't think it's an oversight. It's like that was his belief in a guy that was proving himself in that last um, series but I guess when you really do look at size, there's where the oversight is. So never mind. <laughs> Glad you're gonna walk yourself I, like, through that. Well, no, because I, I guess my point is I understand rolling with the guy that's hot, right? Like that was what he was trying to do with Caleb Martin, um, despite the size. Yeah, with the offense he brings to the table, right. and he thought, okay, maybe that could, but maybe not adjusting quicker to putting love in that game. Because, obviously, that freed Love to be on Gordon and then, of course, allowed Jimmy Butler to take Jamal Murray. Yeah, and Love, I I totally enjoy what he adds in his minutes. I mean, you look at his stat line, just those 10 rebounds alone. He was hustling. He was stopping guys, um, moving laterally. Like, you could just tell he was locked in. But the other thing I just really quick want to mention, the free throws. A night and day. I mean. <laughs> yeah, they took two in game one. I, I mean, more interesting than that to me is just, again, Miami's ability to knock down threes. Oh, you didn't yeah. trust their threes in the regular season. No one was <laughs> scared of Miami knocking down threes. And then they hit 17 last night. And 
I think that's kind of the narrative you, you keep hearing from people. It's like, hey, they can't keep up this three-point shooting. And I just think about it, and I go, well, they, they have during the playoffs. Yeah. They're playing their best basketball right now, and that's what matters. I don't care how they shot the ball in November and December. It, it, that has no bearing on what's happening right now in June. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care that in April they weren't able to convert from three. It's a different team. It's a different level of confidence. And they have guys playing at such a high level, whether it's Caleb Martin having those moments, Gabe Vincent. I mean, hell, even Duncan Robinson. The guy wasn't playing much this year. And he has had some nice moments, including that fourth quarter, where it's not just knocking down threes. This guy's coming off curls. Yeah. No, he's, oh my God. Driving to the basket. Back door slips. Like he's moving without the basketball. He's looking smart with the way that he's moving. But I think the other thing that you and I talked about yesterday when we were talking about Miami's threes, a lot of those become long rebounds. And that has allowed the Nuggets to push the ball, which doesn't allow Miami's defense to set up in that zone that they've been wanting to set up in. So when they start knocking down those shots, it allows them to get back, and yeah. that's what you saw that's true. even in yesterday's game as well. Yeah, the fast break points, first half versus second half, pretty crazy. I think Denver, in my notes, I think they had 16 in the first half and two in the second half. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 16 fast break points, outstanding number, but only two in the second half, and then the bench scoring was completely flip-flopped where yeah. Miami, Miami only had five bench points in the first half, scored 21 in the second half, and then Denver was the other way. They had a huge first half, 20 bench points, six in the second half. Dude, just, I mean, another another fun game. You know, I think a lot of people... It was a great game. Were, I mean, a lot of people were, I don't think. A lot of people were knocking this series and being like, that's not what the NBA wants. And it's like, there really are a lot of smart basketball fans out there that want this that enjoy good team basketball team basketball that went back and forth at the end like you're saying it was an entertaining game with a lot of people a lot of different people and role players and different names making impacts on both sides i understand that marquee names can draw greater interest to a series but if you looked at the game one ratings that they put out Average 11.5 million viewers. It peaked at 12.7 million. That was for a game that wasn't that close. So um, I imagine the game two ones, it was a closer game, will be better. Yeah. Game two ratings will be better than game one or at least match it. And yeah, I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you just turn on that game and it's fun. It it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you like the game of basketball, Mm -hmm. you're going to like watching these teams play. Yeah. Like just, I mean, the way that, Denver even pushes the ball, like we were saying, in fast break. There's fun things. Oh, my God. Was that yesterday that Jamal Murray had that that dunk on, I think it was Duncan Robinson in fast break, in the fast break? And or was that the was that game one that I'm talking about? Whatever this dunk was. I think that was game was one. Was that yeah. game one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Why am I just talking about it? Anyway, that was a fun dunk two games ago. Yeah, they had some <laughs> nice ones in that game. Some really nice ones. So how are you feeling about the series now? As game three shifts to Miami, we're tied at 1-1. I, I, don't, I don't know how to what to feel. After, I mean, truly, I had 
all the confidence in the world in the Denver Nuggets. And it's not that I've lost all that confidence, but on their home floor, especially what their home floor record was or is in this postseason, like they don't lose on their home floor. Um, and then the way that the Miami Heat always fight back, like why? Why would you count them out? Like if I was a betting person, I would just, no, I wouldn't. I hate yeah, yeah. betting, but seriously, like I just cannot count out the Miami Heat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Denver just, they're going to need like Michael Porter Jr. Did not have a good game too. And he's had some moments throughout this postseason where you've seen some serious growth and you've seen some serious growth defensively. <laughs> there were too many breakdowns by Denver defensively last night where it's a mix up between him and KCP and they were getting pissed at Porter. You could just tell he just wasn't locked in, wasn't focused defensively and it impacted the rest of his game. Michael Malone after the game ripped his team pretty good and I felt like it was directed at Michael Porter. Now let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting li lineup to start the game is 10-2 to 2 Miami. Start the third quarter. They scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. Um, and we just got, you know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves for not making shots or thinking they can just turn it on or off. Um, this is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA finals. And that to me is really, really perplexing, disappointing. And I asked the team, I asked that player, you guys tell me why we lost. And they knew the answer. Miami came in here and outworked us. And we were by far our least disciplined game of these 16 or 17 playoff games, whatever it is now. Damn. <laughs> the thing that he was talking about with guys like giving up, whatever, feeling sorry for themselves. That's what he said. It Feeling sorry for themselves, whatever. You never see that in any way with Miami, in my opinion. Mm. And, and I think you mentioned this the other day too, how you're like, look, they just never complain. Like it's Miami Heat way. It, because it, takes not only does it take away from the game it's selfish and you're not getting back on defense or getting back and doing your job and so you see that immaturity in some players whether it's michael porter jr or whoever else he's talking about and yeah it affects an entire team yeah kcp had some tough moments too where he oh, fouled yeah. three point shooters twice twice yep. in those mix-ups between him and and Porter allowing some open looks from three. It was brutal. It was really not what you come to expect from Denver. And I thought, to your point, Morgan, about them being locked in, Miami always kind of staying level-headed and locked into the game. Denver was just talking too much to the officials. You just got to play. You just got to play. Yeah, I think it was when Jokic picked up those back-to-back -back fouls third and fourth, whatever, I forget, whatever it was. And even that, you saw his frustration. You you saw the body language change. And obviously those moments are going to happen. But Michael Malone's point is, this isn't just a regular game. Like, you can't allow, you have to find the will to not allow those yeah. moments to happen. I like that clip, though, from Malone.
I'm not talking about preseason. We're not talking about regular season. It's the NBA Finals. Very AI-esque. Very, very. Yeah. I, I'm still going with Denver. Still going with Denver, but Miami showed me again a lot last night yeah. to do that in an environment that's not easy to win in against a Denver team that had been red hot during the playoffs. That was a big time performance. They were physical. They pl- had some great defensive moments. They knocked down shots. It was a total team effort. And now you go back home. Game three Wednesday. Woo. So go back home. Yeah, that's gotta that's gotta feel good. And to Pandy's Andy's point, what the Nuggets only lost by three too. Yeah. With all those things that we just mentioned, where it's like, hey, Murray didn't totally have his game. Porter wasn't good. There were defensive breakdowns. They lost by three. You know what I like this whole time? We didn't talk about that final play until this moment right now, and I like that because that wasn't. Oh man, people like, try to make that a thing they today. Try. I mean, I, Come I don't. On. So. Okay. You can you can analyze it. You can break it down, but stop acting like, oh man, Michael Malone. If he had called that quick timeout and they had set something up, you got to get to your man Jokic. I'm not saying I even disagree with that, yeah. but like sometimes in with the just like I don't know the flow of the game, you're gonna trust your guys, and it can it can be an oversight, whatever it is, and that's gonna happen too. But sometimes great things happen out of it. I mean, yeah, you you call a timeout, Miami's defense gets set. And that. And that. I mean, I, Jamal Murray transition, trying to create. He's he's knocked down some of those tough shots. We saw him do it throughout this whole playoff run, especially yeah. in that series against the Lakers where he's hitting daggers over LeBron. Right. Like, and you needed a three. You got a great look. And you, you needed look. a three. Butler, stay with him. You got a good look. You need a three. You're down three. You missed it. Yeah, that that's not that big of a deal to me. It's like the other thing that I, I think you could have made a case and they talk about on the broadcast, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were like, do you foul here? Like, don't even allow a three. There's more of a case to be made about that. But I think Spolster was like, no, I'm not giving up points. I trust my best defender to go get me a stop right now. Um, One of the comments. Yeah. <laughs> Gregory says, I want to party with the Yogic brothers in Miami. Wow, I you wouldn't be able to hang. Even think about the Jokic brothers in Miami. Oh my god, it just the picturing it. It's great. I mean, that would be a good. That would be a good time. I feel like you'd just be taking shots, and then I would just be lifted up, like in the crowd. You might get in a fight. Might get in a fight, and, and honestly, and I win they, because they'd be with me. But they'd expect you to throw down. I. Let, would, let's just say, let's just say one of the them. Jokic brothers, you're hanging out with them in Miami. Yeah. Having a good time. There's no issues. Having yeah. some drinks. You're like, what is my life right now? Some guy comes over and sucker punches. Me? One of the Jokic brothers. Oh, no. That's my brother but that you, night. You're the only, you're the only person who oh, saw shit. it happen. Okay. <laughs> it's loud, too. It's loud. Yeah. You. So no one really, it's you that noticed. Okay. What's your move? I go up to the guy and I sucker punch him back. Well, I don't think it'd be a sucker punch at that point. You'd know it's coming. Well, no, because he'd be turning around and then I would tap him on the shoulder. And right when he turned around, I'd punch him. And then I would point to the other brother. Get him. Finish the job. Finish the job. 
My point is you would definitely have to throw a punch in that situation. Otherwise, I'm committed. Absolutely committed. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, let's get to some more comments. Uh, our guy, Lizzy, who, you know, it's tough with Lizzy because we go way back with Lizzy, one of the OGs. He's like a Heat fan, but like, is he? Like, does he watch all the games? Sometimes it's tough. When he's but, drunk, he's a Kings fan. Yeah, but right now he is really a Miami fan. Aww, and I'm he heard that I, I thought the Nuggets would still win this series. And he's like, oh, Deuce rolls his eyes. Look, it's not a disrespect. Like, I would, if you were to tell me, Deuce, you are wrong and Miami is going to win the series, I'm probably not going to push back that hard because there's obviously a path. They've done it. In their path to the NBA Finals, you can't really doubt them. I'm just going, man, Jokic, I expect him and Murray to still be able to do their things, and I think they'll be able to take care of business. But what Miami's done this whole playoffs, we, we saw Bam step up last night. Even though Jimmy was kind of inefficient, I, he hit some big shots, and he was setting up his teammates. I thought that was great for them last night. And the others, I, I'm to the point with Gabe Vincent where I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not... I trust that he's going to come in and be impactful shooting the ball. Like he's going to knock down shots. I'm not. It used to feel like if Gabe Vincent Morgan. Yeah, I'm listening. What are you doing? Right? I'm just looking up this one Gabe Vincent thing. If Gabe Vincent scores like 15 points before you be like, oh, that's a nice bonus. Gabe Vincent. Now you're like, no, I need Gabe Vincent. Give me 15 to 18 tonight. Our expectations are going up for him. Yeah. Because he is constantly performing in these high leverage situations, knocking down shots, good in the pick and roll, playing good defense. Yeah. yeah I, All of the above, dude. Um, Swish cultures. Yeah. Gabe Vincent is currently second on the finals MVP ladder. Obviously his um, stat line, but look at that. NBA.com's yeah. updated finals MVP. Jokic, Gabe Vincent. Bam out of bio. I Jimmy. hate I hate the NBA MVP ladder. I know you do. The but finals what, MVP. But you know what? It's been two games. I don't. It's been two you games. You want to know why I don't care? Because Jimmy Butler won yeah. Eastern Conference Finals MVP. And there's a lot of us been like, dude, give that shit to Caleb Martin. Like, what? What? he was good consistently. And not to say Jimmy is definitely like the reason why they win. They win all these games, um, especially at the end of games. But Caleb Martin was so consistent throughout that series. It's okay, it can go to either. But like, that's why when I do see that ladder and you do see an undrafted guy like Gabe Vincent, who is usually the narrative is he's this, he's that. He doesn't get put on these lists, even if it is a stupid little MVP ladder. You know? Do you get my do you get my yes i get what you're saying yeah gabe vincent it? he's been awesome yes and if he plays he like he has to the first two games and miami Put wins that ladder he's gonna have, be in the conversation sure on that ladder does that make you happy like yeah no it does because i i really i want people he, like him to get the recognition recognition he's a free agent coming up this year he is he's just the type of guy that he'll be good on any team yeah. He's he's such a hard worker. He plays the game the right way. He defends and knocks down shots. I, I think for him, he, he should probably just stay in Miami. Agreed. I think if they could pay him, he's taken over the starting point guard duties. He did that, you know, during the regular season. And he's consistently gotten better. He's flourished in their program going back to when he was on a two-way contract 
with Miami playing games in Sioux Falls. So I think for him, yeah, just stick in Miami. But I think he can play anywhere. I'd love for him to be in Sacramento. I Well, that could have happened, and it could have happened much easier. Um, but it didn't happen, and it's really frustrating to see, especially like that is what the G League is for, especially in your own system, to develop those guys and see that type of talent. And he was that type of talent as soon as Miami swooped him up. If I God. was the Kings front office back then, that was... Vlade? Vlade, yeah. <laughs> if I heard rumblings that Miami was trying, it was interested in picking up Gabe Vincent, I'm, I'm cutting that off going, no! Thank you. I'm not, Gabe, you, you don't get a two-way deal. I'm giving you a guaranteed deal. There's something here. Yeah, yes. No, 100%, because you'd be like, oh, wow. They scout really well, yeah, and yeah. they have, yeah, rumblings of it. I mean, damn. So, yeah, Gabe could have done that. that he was awesome great. in Stockton, especially that second year. He was great. The other thing I was going to say, though, you know, around the league, depending on what situation, if he did decide to go somewhere else, another team give him a different opportunity, um, he would probably come off the bench on most teams or do you think no. he's like earned that right as a starting point guard well i obviously it depends on the point guard situation it, right uh but i think he can play the off guard too like i i don't think he has to be the primary that's fair point guard um i think he has shown that he he, he could start in this league and he's doing it on the biggest stage and it's not because oh someone's hurt and he's just kind of filling in and he's probably a guy that's going to, he wants it, to get a healthy paycheck. When we talked to him when he was first with Miami and Kyle Lowry, it was like, wow, Gabe, I think we asked him something about this. You're going to be coming off the bench behind Kyle Lowry. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you yeah. are, you are the backup point guard behind Kyle Lowry. How, you know, how cool is that? Or what, whatever we did. Um, in that conversation, but I remember talking about that and look how quickly he's worked his way to not only being in that starting role, but like is making that starting point guard impact in the NBA, in the NBA finals. I imagine he's probably like a mid-level guy. This, I could be wrong. Maybe it's higher. Uh, but the mid-level this year for non-taxpayers is 12.2 million a year. Uh, he is 26 years old. And, you know, he's listed at 6'2". He feels like he plays bigger than 6'2". I agree. Okay, 6'3", he's listed. Okay, okay, well, that makes a little more sense. But yeah. he's strong. Like that guy a lot. He's and Yeah, and on top of all that, he's a great guy. And, I mean, has put in so much work. But, like, just stays so humble. Yeah. Ugh. I want him to win the championship now. I changed my mind. I put that poll question up in the chat. Series is tied at 1-1. Who wins it? Heat culture, baby. Or the Nuggets? 64% of the okay. people who have voted have voted for the Denver Nuggets. You know, if the Miami Heat win it all, they are going to have the ability to talk the most shit of probably any team in NBA playoff history because no one really has picked them from the start. There's no one that was like, hey, when they're in the play, this team's going to, I don't know about the finals, but I could see them getting to the second round. No one believed it. There is not one person, even the 
Number one Miami Heat fan the planet is not sitting there going, yeah, I think we're a championship team. I knew this. Maybe before the season, right? You're feeling good about things for sure. I'm not going to doubt that. But where they were at the end of the season, no one thought this was possible. And then they keep advancing. Yeah. And then no one believes it. No one's really picking them. There's very few people picking them now. They could talk all the shit in the world if they wanted to after if that was to happen. But... Miami Heat culture. They don't do that shit. And I, I only think of this. I always think of Draymond Green and how every year it was like they doubted us. They doubted us. Like at times it was true, but then at other times I felt like he would just say it. So it, it had more of a dramatic meaning. There are so many people that doubt us. And it's like, what, two Twitter followers? Like who who were you talking about in the yeah. beginning of some of those seasons? Yeah. What's up, Anthony? How you doing? Um, someone in the chat says the Miami Heat are the kings of the East. Well, no, because then the kings would be in the finals in the West, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe if there's similarities in some of the, the ball movement, the sharing of the basketball, I guess. I mean, defensively, what they bring, that they're not the Kings, like the Kings of the East, whatever. It is amazing how their zone defense has had such a big impact in the playoffs. And I do wonder if now more and more teams are going to be like, well, shit, it's working for them. And they have some guys who are non, like Duncan Robinson's not a good individual defender. Their zone defense is just, it's a whole bunch of different zone defenses. They mix it up all the time. Here is why so many teams aren't going to be able to play in a zone defense because they don't play like a team. That's what, that's what makes zone defenses so great is it is a team that's like locked in together. Obviously that makes almost any defense a good defense, but in a zone defense, you have to understand the geometry of the floor and exactly where your legs and feet your body have to be when the ball's over here or when the ball's right here or when the ball's at the high post and so many teams do not have even smart enough players it's not about being a smart defensive player it's just about like being a smart player and being able to do that type of thing with the team so i hope we see more zones i think it'd be fun but i just don't think a lot of teams will be able to execute them yeah i wonder if mike brown would try to use it a little more sometimes he could he gets his team buys in yeah. and we've seen what they could accomplish their shitty defense not shitty their bad defense accomplished good things when they played together um in the chat people are talking about how miami's defense way better than sacramento yeah no i that the similarity i think is maybe the sharing of the ball how it's been you know different guys stepping up but it, miami wasn't very good offensively during the regular season their defense has shown the ability that they can get stops to in the playoffs. So I, I don't see a ton of comparisons there. Todd says Bam MVP so far if Miami wins. It's it's such a weird conversation. <laughs> I know. It, it, like, I, are you, we are we doing this after every single game now? Just you understood. Who, my, what's, your, what's your update MVP rankings? And it's like November seventh in the NBA. Hey, I don't, you understood my point though. To just the name of that person being in those rankings. Sure. It's cool. It's yeah. cool. It's, but yes, we don't. But no, we it's don't definitely need to do that. A, as what you brought up with the Gabe Vincent is a great. If I would have told you before the season that Gabe Vincent would be go. in the finals MVP conversation, what would you say to me? I'd be like, what happened to Kyle Lowry? And that's the great thing about sports. As we all, and trust us, we do it, fans do it, other media does it. 
we think we know everything. Oh, it's going to go down like this. Like we had like from from data I, I, and Boston, just like- Golden State. Uh, uh, the Nets with Katie and Harden, you know, last. It's just so funny how those conversations shift, right? Mm-hmm. Even this off season, Durant, right, right when he goes to Phoenix and starts playing again, they rattle off some wins where they were undefeated. And it's like, oh man, they're going to be tough to beat. I'm like, what they play? And then what do you know? Come playoffs, oh, the depth was an issue. They had injuries. It's my whole point is this shit's so unpredictable. It's great. That's what's that's what makes it fun. And it's so un- unpredictable too because sometimes. There are people like, for example, there's videos of Luka Doncic running stairs, right? And everyone's like, look at him get in shape. He's working on himself. And then there's always those surprises. And I would just, for example, like De'Aaron Fox in what a surprise of a leap that was because of whatever he worked on in his game, whether it was like with his workouts, not just basketball workouts, you know, um, weight workouts, whatever to his basketball workouts. It was like, that's also what makes it so unpredictable. You just yeah. never know who's going to put in the work and take the time to actually make their game better. And maybe they're not putting it on Instagram. And no offense to Luca, I, I hope he gets in shape. But like, we can't predict what the Mavs are going to do right now. Lu- I mean, well, before you get to that, because Luca, those could just be videos. He could be the same old fatty next se- season. And I shouldn't call him fatty. Yeah. Just larger. Man. He's not in basketball shape. He's not in the shape you need your best player to be. No, no. To carry the team and to compete at the highest of levels. It's unfair to his team and it's unfair. Yeah. Yes. Where was I going to go? Oh, the chat had something interesting. Who's on Deuce's all dog ladder? Mm. In the playoffs or the NBA season? Your all dog team? Oh, man. Just put it in the NBA. That's tough, man. This season in the NBA. Well, I mean, Jimmy Butler, I feel like, is just that. Dog. 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 <gasps> Brunson. Jalen Brunson. He's Come on. dog in him. Yeah. I mean, I, Davion Mitchell. Got some dog. And that's, and yeah, actually, yeah. I, was, I think everyone's just trying to get me to do that little bark. <laughs> no one's asking you to do that. Stop. <laughs> Stop. It's so. In, uh, <laughs> Uh, I have to do a, a, a all dog team. Absolutely, <laughs> you have to do like a big PDF that the the all the draft people do basically yeah. for the draft. Anthony says, "Random question: How do you think Harry Giles would fit on this team? The Kings randomly posted a magic trick video with him and a cameo of Mo. Um, video. That's very random. I saw that but- video." And I think they just love the shit out of him. How do you not? It's Harry Giles, and I hope, you know, he's trying to come back too. Yeah. It's just, you when a guy goes through the injuries that he has gone through. So consistently. If you have not watched Harry Giles in high school, like, go YouTube it. The guy looked like a freak. It was disgusting. Footwork, and then athletic. I mean, good passer. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, he was. He he could have been pretty special, especially if he would have stayed healthy. It, it sucks, and he's just a great dude. Love that guy. Yeah, that is that's super tough. So it's like, yeah, not not knowing what shape he's in right now, but can assume, you know, from 
not seen interest from teams, obviously. And um, it wouldn't be the fit that you would want on this team. But like, look what they did when they had him sitting courtside next to De'Aaron's wife, Rosay. They did a standing ovation for a yeah. player that recent that it's not like w he wasn't here during good times. Well, except the Dave Yeager season that got people. Yeah, but he, you know, Morgan. What? People connected with his story. In his in his energy. His energy. Oh, he embraced Sacramento love. from the jump. He yeah. was all in and still is, right? And so he had that. He had just like you just want to root for him because of his personality. Yep. And you went, you know, this this kid's gone through some shit. I hope it works out for him. And yeah. to this point it hasn't. And it it sucks, you know. I, I hope he can get to a point where he can Make a living playing basketball on a regular basis. He loves the game. And if for some reason he can't do it playing because his body won't allow him at some point, I look how loved he is in in and around this league. Yeah. Like and by this organization. I mean, people are going to find a place for that type of person within their organizations one day if that had to happen. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Great dude. Steven Brown says Harry Giles was Chris Weber in high school. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people mentioning that he would have been the easy number one pick had he stayed healthy. Crazy. Damn. I know. That one makes me really sad because you just, ugh, when it's not your fault. When yeah. it's not your fault. So LeBron and Kyrie tried to take over the conversation today in the NBA. I, I got to be honest, pretty proud of us that, wow, we've already done 48 minutes. Um what are you proud of us about? That we're 48 minutes into this podcast and we're just getting to the, hey, Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron about coming to Dallas story. NBA offseason time. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that came out where at first like, well, what is going on? And you go, this isn't going to happen. It seems like literally impossible. So Shams puts it out first. Sources Kyrie Irving has reached out to Lakers excuse me, reach out to Lakers star LeBron James and attempts to see if James would come to Dallas. Irving is a free agent this offseason. Then minutes later, Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report posts a story saying, BR sources, Kyrie Irving desires for the Mavericks to explore acquiring Lakers star LeBron James to form a big three with Luka. It's crazy. These stories came out within minutes of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, What... Okay. Proceed. It's just weird. I mean, it's just That's one of those weird stories. And it's just like, you don't know what to believe. Like, even the part in Chris Haynes' piece where he's talking about the easiest and unlikeliest path to adding LeBron would be for him to orchestrate a buyout. I'm like, the Lakers are going to buy out LeBron James, are they? And, that seems insane. And not only does that just seem like, <laughs> what? Um... It just seems ridiculous that they think that that big three would get them an NBA championship. Oh, well, and the yeah. only reason why I'll say that, because what pieces can they put around themselves if they're doing this, right? Like, there's one. But two, your Kyrie Irving's reputation. Sure. No, every single team it's shocking to me that someone goes but I, I don't think it will happen this time it's happened every time even i have thought like 
oh, maybe he's changed. And every time he proves me wrong, when they show you who they are, believe them. I mean, you're you're getting far in a conversation where I'm more laughing at the fact that the, this is just not, this isn't going to happen. Well, okay, you're right. I should just it start seems with like, that. And I mean, and, <laughs> unless like, I guess the NBA is unpredictable, so maybe it does, but I'm like, the Lakers aren't going to buy out like LeBron's $100 million contract to let him just go to the Dallas Mavericks. That's insane. According to The Athletic Morgan, Very the nice. Lakers don't have interest in signing Kyrie. Like, they've maintained they have no interest. So, the only One way for thing. them to play together would be for LeBron to join forces in Dallas. And The Athletic in their piece was like, well, assuming LeBron plays next season... Um, the easiest way to get James to Dallas, at least for James, Irving, and the Mavs, would be by trade. But a glance at the Mavs roster and draft picks shows limited assets that would appeal to the Lakers in a potential rebuild. If James were to demand a trade and the Lakers were to entertain offers, it would take more than a package of, say, Tim Hardaway Jr., Bertans, Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, and the number 10 pick in the draft, another future first to get a deal done. The Lakers simply are interested in what Dallas could offer in a trade, according to multiple team sources. Yeah, it's like they don't, you're not going to buy them out. They don't have the assets to like make a deal, unless you're going to be like, fine, we'll just settle for that. But that, that seems weird. It seems very but weird. But like, could, I don't know, could LeBron it, hold them hostage and be like, I'm not playing? Well, like, and here's the other thing too. I look at Kyrie's position and all this, being a free agent. Is it his way, too, of being like, this is what you need to get done for me to yeah, be happy? Yeah, yeah, and again, yeah. when you do that for a player, it always goes great, right? The track record shows. <laughs> Come on. So, I like, whoever's playing games here to get this narrative out there, you know, like, where, wherever that lies, it's just comical, but also, we've seen weird shit happen. Uh, yeah, I guess we have. I guess we have, and it is... LeBron James, he carries immense weight in the NBA. And of course, he's with Clutch, and they're very powerful too. So maybe anything can happen in this. If, but if you're Dallas, I guess you were pretty, I mean, everything ended pretty bad. But if you're Dallas, is that, I'm being serious about this. And I think people automatically go, yes, yes, of course you want that big three. Do you want that big three, well, like again, the high it, usage guys with the ball in their hand? What's LeBron going to do? Keep settling from the outside instead of driving it in because he's feeling older and older? Like, what I, are we doing? I, it's so hard for me to even wrap my brain around what you're saying because the fun. pieces it's around it. I mean, sh come on, play it with me. If I were the Dallas Mavericks, would I want to see a trio of Luka, Kyrie, and LeBron on my yes. team? Yes, but see, yes. but you're not yes. you're not factoring in all the other things. Because like, you you, because if it were she, if it were to happen, you don't have to give up much to get him. You're either signing him to a deal, or you're doing that trade, which is nothing. You don't care about it, and you have LeBron, one of the greatest players ever, with Luca, who's one of the best players in the game now, and Kyrie. You as a number, you're going to be on TV all well, the time. You'll be you're on make TV a ton and make of money. money. Your ratings are going to be through the roof. That's true. It's going to be the biggest story, one of the biggest stories in sports. Absolutely. ESPN is sending full coverage of the Dallas Mavericks. I understand. And maybe all just of that. maybe it works out okay, and you give yourselves a See, chance. That's it. That's it. Everyone, everyone, like all these non-basketball people, all these business people, just want to land on the maybe with that, like. Not only have we seen this with other trios around the league. So are you going to win a championship with Kyrie Irving, Luka, and Tim Hart? 
Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Yeah, and it's a really confusing time, by the way. There's all these documents, especially with us, like we are managing finances together because we run a small business together there's all these different papers there's all these different forms what do you do you listen to nerd wallet smart money podcast yeah because then you can be making a balanced budget and not just for everything you're doing with your business how about for some time off after an nba season even that sounds amazing so you know what you need to do listen to nerd wallet smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app future you will thank you Early no. Junior. Okay then. So, so why, I'd want to see the LeBron. Why part trade of it. away the rest of your the rest of what you have with like Tim Hardaway Jr. Whoever Ooh. I know, whoever I'm saying, but you're trading away everything to have like practically nothing. It's a team sport. We have two teams in the NBA Finals right now that are showing you. Look, you don't need that trio to get to the NBA Finals. You got to play some good team basketball. I, I understand, and I tend to agree. Again. I think I would see it when, oh my God, the, the passing ability. I mean, obviously you would need stuff around it. Jason Kidd has a relationship with him from being an assistant on Frank Vogel's staff. Mm -hmm. He also knows Greg St. Jean, who is on Jason Kidd's staff. He was on the Lakers staff in Dallas. And then a relationship with Jared Dudley, who's in Dallas too. So there are plenty of connections. It's just finding a pathway to making it happen seems impossible. But there's like just enough weirdness going on with this LeBron situation especially with how he handled the end of the season kind of thrown out there like yeah I might not come back this might have been it that you hear so this story weird. and it makes you go okay is this like he doesn't want to play for the Lakers anymore thing is he trying to are they testing the waters today with this story just to see what reactions are like I, I don't know it, it's just the draft's a few weeks away. Teams are really mm -hmm. starting to prepare for offseason stuff, and it makes you wonder, like, what the hell's going on? What else are we going to hear since the draft is a few weeks away, right? Like, are there going to be more people, players, trying to push for something, whether it's they want out or they want to go here? Create that narrative, push it out there, so then teams draft who they want to draft? I don't know. All that shit kind of happens around this time. It's wild this time of year. I love it. I love it so much. Man. What? Just the chaos around the league that could happen. So great. Like, even that, I just love that that came out today. And even if I'm sitting here saying, like, there's no way that's going to happen. Look at me. I'm breaking down the big three and why that can't work in today's NBA. Which, it's... How can you say that so confidently, right? You don't know that's not going to work. But then again, Kyrie Irving, every single team, every single team... He's showing me who he is. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe him. The Mavs ha may Not have to good. go back to like, they, you know, on the court side around their court, every player who has ever played on their team oh, is on yes. that court. They may have to go to that list and go, who can we bring back? One of the old Mavs. That's how we felt her roster. Or can we get Karam Butler to leave the Miami Heat coaching staff? Hey, Dirk. Hey, Dirk. Can you give us? You've got LeBron, Luca, and Kyrie. Can you play 15 minutes a night? I've got some Kevin Love tape to show you. Maybe you can, Dirk. So stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Just, 
I don't know. Jason Kidd can play. He played for the Mavs before. Player coach. Stupid. How sick would that be, though? How sick would that be? That's like a NBA 2K team right there. Jason Terry comeback, yeah. Oh, that is funny. Oh, man. <laughs> Scout says Kyrie to the Lakers is a better road to the finals. They have oh. no interest. Which is hard to believe. And I wonder if that bugs LeBron at all. That's not hard to believe. I'm telling you, the whole like him really not being good for teams and always having a problem, an issue with something in the world and or a coach like that you pay a lot of money for this person who is sitting out random games because he's on some zoom call you know what i mean it's just like there are there are so many problems with Kyrie, and he's one of the most talented Again. point guards to ever play the game and i understand how that trumps all for so many people it's, it's, but it's, it's very just, cute it's very cute mm, you're acting like the lakers no. have some they have shown that ability to be that discipline when building teams. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like they've done it differently and that's uh, fine. And I feel like they've obviously, especially last trade deadline, they've made some moves that you're like, Oh, those are really good moves. Finding someone like Austin Reeves too. That's a great move. And now he's about to get paid. But my point is if you're thinking about, if you're Palinka and you're thinking about things with trying to win a championship with this squad, with LeBron, the team, you go, well, LeBron wants to play with this guy. This guy's great. They've won a championship. Le Le LeBron wanted to play with Russ. That's fine. They've won a championship before. I know. I didn't know Westbrook and LeBron could work. I've seen Kyrie and LeBron work. That could be your thought if you're Palinka. But, I, I mean, Fair. obviously, that's the report right now that they are interested in him. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's totally fair. Um, if that is happening in any way, shape or form, but yeah, I would, I would learn my lesson after letting our star player really mix things up. You. you know, that was just, that was, that was such a, such a loss, such a loss. What? I, some people in the chat are dropping Maverick names that maybe could sign with them if they put that team together in some miracle universe. J.J. Barea, come on down. <laughs> That's funny. Where's Tyson Chandler? Yes. That's hilarious. Uh. Um, yeah, but that's when LeBron... I wonder why LeBron signed the two-year extension then. You think he... I think he's fine. I think whoever's putting this out no, there. No, it's just a larger issue. I'm not just talking okay. about this story. It's what he said after the season. Yeah. Oh, that that to me, you guys, I a lot of people don't, but I love LeBron. I love LeBron as a basketball player. Like, love, love, love his game. It's just so fun. Always have. He's <laughs> so dramatic when it comes to what he says off the court at times in We've seen him lie. We've seen him do, you know, Hollywood antics, right? Him saying that was just like dramatic effect. Take this. He knows what he's doing. What what, what was he doing? Making a story about himself. That's it. There's no other intentions there. There's no other. going to take this. They're going to roll with it. Boom. Like, a hint at the Lakers organization. Like, we got to make sure to keep LeBron. We got to build around him. You know what I mean? We got to add even, more. We got to be aggressive. I don't even think that was his thought process. I don't even think he was being that smart about it. I think he That's was literally, I don't think he was being that calculated. I think it was more of just this like 
selfish, dramatic moment. Like, oh, I don't even know if I'll be here next year. Just like that. Mm. Yeah. Actually, that was audio of him saying that in the locker room. Jamar in the chat. For the sake of argument to settle and debate, I need your guys' help. Oh. Even though both would be, excuse me, even though both would be interesting on the Kings, would you rather have Dylan Brooks or Draymond Green? So, Jamar, we did talk about this probably about a month ago. Did we actually say who we would rather have? I know we... It's so complicated to me. It is so complicated because when you just talk about what those two players can do when they are locked in, both of these guys, if locked in, help your team dramatically. On the defensive end, for sure. Mm -hmm. Offensively with Dylan Brooks, that's another story. Yeah, But that's where it's complicated. The, the, the problem is like, I don't know. Is Draymond Green, if he's on the Kings, is he at that same level of motivation? Or is he the guy that's like, hey, everyone, listen to me. I've won championships. You guys haven't won shit. You know what I mean? Here's what I'll tell you. If, one, the question I thought was, Brooks or Draymond Green until yeah. you're forcing me to choose one. So okay. if I was forced to choose one, I would choose Draymond Green. Now, let me tell you why I don't want either ever And just, and I'm not being dramatic about it. I'm just saying that's dramatic. No, no, no. Sure. This is why, because of this Kings team. Now, now, if you ask me about Draymond three years ago, when the Kings were in whatever mess they were in, and that was an, an option, I'd be like, let's go get Draymond. How can you get Draymond on the team? Um, but where the Kings are this, this last season and then going to this new season, you can't have that type of energy that you don't connect with around. Not only did they just go to battle with him against, against Draymond in their playoffs and the stomp and all these weird things were going on, going on, but it's not good for development. A guy that's just going to punch a young teammate in the face in the beginning of a season, like there's just things about Draymond. No. And then for Dylan Brooks, it's just, um, a no, because mostly he's selfish and not very disciplined when it comes to his shot selection. When you have one of the best drivers in the league in John Morant. And this is, I'm probably way too guilty of this in my thinking when it comes to adding players, but I don't think it's dramatic to say that, I think Mike Brown can get things out of guys that maybe other teams and other situations can't because they're not like a great situation. You just highlight Sacramento being a great situation. Memphis, they've got a lot of shit going on over there. They have a lot of shit going on. With Jaw. So much drama. I mean, the Dylan Brooks stuff, just Mm -hmm. losing, disappointment, kind of just cockiness that... Even Jaron Jackson was talking about on Paul George's podcast. Like, they were humbled by this. And we'll find out if they're truly humbled. But my point is, Dylan Brooks, like, I, I do play the what-if game with him where I go, what if he comes to Sacramento and has that level of intensity that you need defensively, even though I think some of his defense is overrated sometimes. He did make an all-defensive team this year, to, yeah. be, to be fair. But you know he's going to be that dog. He's going to sometimes do some dirty shit that you won't like. But if he was on your team, you try to justify it. That, that but, dirty. Here, go on and then I'll tell you. But 
he, he plays with an edge that you don't have all the time. And if you got the shot selection stuff to be improved, maybe you get the best version of him. And I've made this case to you before. If the Kings weren't to do it, someone is going to, if the Miami That's Heat fair. That's get fair. something out of him, then you as an organization need to find a way to, to be able to get those, those players, impact them in a way that they can play to their full level. That dirty shit that you are talking about, that you're like, he's still going to do. You and I, and a lot of people in Sacramento, experienced what that can do to a team, to its culture, to a lot of things firsthand. We all experienced that firsthand. With? DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know that he was dirty. I mean, he hit guys in the balls on the floor, not like his own team. I don't, I don't think DeMarcus has a dirty okay, reputation so at so, all. I think that's a bad example. So let's not even say dirty. Let's just say antics. So let's not even okay. call them dirty antics. They're just antics that DeMarcus Cousins would have um, with his attitude, not being able to control it. I get it. It brought down so much. It was so deflating, not only for us, but for teammates as well. Like it was deflating. It just was. I am okay. You could say that. I don't know that the Memphis Grizzlies were deflated by Dylan Brooks. In fact, again, I just referenced Jaron Jackson Jr. on Paul George's podcast, raving about Dylan Brooks. And I heard that his own clip, teammate. And I love that. I'm not, but also you have to understand too. Just because you have some ride or die teammates, it doesn't mean that teammates like you or players like you around the league. I mean, didn't someone have something that like every player hates Dylan Brooks except like fine his team. Fine. If you're liked by your teammates, that's what matters. I don't need to be liked by the other team. You you are sometimes with people. What am I? No, just with players. Like that stuff, like you blacklist them. And I just think it's so unfair that False. people do mature. People change. Circumstances change. And being in a good environment hey, can help change people. I'm going to stop you right there. I do not blacklist them because you just mentioned them going him going to Miami. And I was like, yes, that situation, yes. I just think with what the Kings have, and I know you think Mike Brown could do it, but there's so many good guys on this team that like each other. You can't, I don't think this would be the right situation because I think a team like Miami, you can have guys that maybe don't like each other, don't agree, whatever, but there's only one way of doing things, a, a, a culture that sure. has been set for years, years and years. And I think the Kings more vibe off each other as humans. And that culture is starting to build. It's not completely established and growing yet. But sometimes you need guys like that for your culture because they add some a different element. I guess not that. everyone has to be like all nice kumbaya. And I don't everything. think everyone. Okay. I think the bigger issue I have with Brooks is just his shooting isn't good either. Dude, I've just I I think anyone that's like I don't know played on teams that you play for with for a long time and when there's teammates that you do not like and you're playing at a high level and stakes are high and everything it it does suck and it sucks on and off the floor that's all and i'm just i'm just saying that that's fine but he plays hard and that's his teammates respect that about him his teammates do yes <laughs> his teammates do i know and i i loved what jaron jackson jr was saying about it i thought that was really cool of him it, it didn't feel fake like he was just trying to stick up for his guy. He was more just saying what he felt about his teammate. And I really, and I, I took it in, took it in. Yeah. I, at some point you have to create that culture to Absolutely. get someone. And I, I, 
I, I don't ever view Dylan Brooks as some locker room guy. I have laughed at him, bad locker room guy. I've laughed at him and his weird outfit choices, him talking shit do, during weird times, him yeah. getting cooked. I've seen all that. Um, I, look, it's probably not going to happen anyway. It's not really worth talking about. I'm just interested to see what his market value is going to be like around the league. The guy made an all-defensive team, and he has been on a playoff team who has made some solid runs. Not this year. There's going to be teams that are like, yeah, get this guy here. Yeah, sure. I and guys, I get these reputations sometimes and still find the ability to bounce around the league and impact teams. You know, Matt Barnes, someone's mentioning the chat, didn't have a great reputation yeah. with, with stuff like that. You know, he had some off-court stuff too, but he, you know, he was always tough. He was kind of mixing it up. But tell you what, every winning team would sign the guy. Yeah. Because... You need a guy like that, and he plays with an edge, and he brings something extra to your team. And th- that, 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 that stuff does matter. I felt like there was a different type of respect for Matt Barnes around the league, and maybe that was because he had been in the that's league fair. longer. I, I mean, You're saying guys around the league didn't, like, hate Matt Barnes. That's what I'm saying. Like, they even, even when they felt like everyone goes back to the Kobe and Matt Barnes, you know, like, pump fake yeah, him yeah. on on the baseline and Kobe didn't flinch and it's like Kobe wanted to play with Matt Barnes you know what I mean it was it was they they had a relationship at some point after that mm. and it's because Matt is a cool person and people can connect with him and I'm not saying I know Dylan Brooks isn't that but from what we hear people don't feel that way around the league Morgan going to be hosting a Kings pre and post game in about 10 years with <laughs> Dylan Brooks as our analyst Dylan Brooks is kind of a misunderstood guy though well I mean and honestly that but that is the cool part if I'm wrong about Dylan Brooks I would love to be wrong I'm just going off of what people are saying around the league and I and I don't think I'm just going off of like lies I don't think people are just okay but his- could you see a world where Dylan Brooks could help the Kings if he got the shot selection stuff yes. in line. Yes, obviously. Okay. Right. obviously. And Draymond Green could obviously help the Kings. There's questions about fit and all that. Sure. But like what he could do for your defense. Absolutely. As like the quarterback player, and coach. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, we're talking about good NBA players. Yes. I mean, yeah. Dylan and Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks has shown flashes of being a good NBA player. And then he has these other moments where you're just like, oh, yeah. this is He's frustrating. Yeah. Mm. Mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. So he was asked on Paul George's podcast about kind of their, their the season and how they're feeling about the future. Here's what he had to say. I think getting humbled is the best thing for us. I think it's going to make us way more hungry. Hungry like we were like three years ago. There was no expectation on anything. We got leveled at the end of the year, so we got to sit with that all summer. We were done in May. I'm like, okay, like, damn, we're done in May. We got hella time. I'm watching the other games like really not happy, like tripping. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the best thing for us. We're going to have that edge. We're going to come back. We're going to be so hungry. We're not going to worry about anything we're going to remember that feeling probably all the way up until the playoffs and we're going to get it done well they're going to need that edge morgan especially yeah. with john morant is going to miss a lot of time this year it's such a weird thing with adam silver before game one of the nba finals when he was asked about the john morant situation he's like yeah we found out some more and for a fair amount of 
additional information in the investigation. And then he goes on to say, I'm not going to tell you what the suspension is or the punishment because he thought it would be unfair to the Heat and Nuggets to announce the results of the league's investigation during the finals. I, I think what I think it's fair. It's okay, but also so weird. Like, it's just like why would you even say that? Just just, I think just be just, like, hey, we're it's still under investigation, and we hope to have it concluded soon. There yeah. you go. Well, like, you I, should this, be on their PR team. I mean, this isn't hard stuff. Instead, it's like I, I don't want to distract from it. But now everyone's going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Adam Silver's doesn't want to distract. That could mean it's the whole season. Is it fifty games? Everyone's talking about. So therefore, you're distracting. From maybe, it. maybe he was also still feeling not embarrassed from the first time around, but like, kind of like, oh no, it's things are going to happen this time. Like he didn't want people leaving thinking like, um, he's soft and he wasn't going to do anything about something that sure. they find important. And yeah, I, I. But you're right. He should have said exactly like you should be on his PR team. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Didn't you minor in PR? I did. <laughs> Look at you go. Mr. PR here. Flourishing. Mr. PR. Mr. PR for uh, Adam Silver. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm curious what the new information and the investigation is going to reveal and then how long that suspension will be. Either way, man, it puts the Grizzlies in such a tough spot. They're going to be different, right? Like, we were just talking about Dylan Brooks for probably far too long. Um, He's not going to be there next year. John Morant is going to miss a substantial amount of games. In the chat, Steven says, well, the Grizz always play fine without Ja. Tyus is as good of a backup point guard as there is in the league. Yeah, that's the one thing. I think Memphis can be better than people think, but they have a lot more questions than just simply Ja. It's what I said with Dylan Brooks. What's Steven Adams next year? Like, Steven Adams... Yeah. Is he going to be that same guy again? You know, the guy wasn't playing basketball for the large portion of the season. And then, of course, you got Brandon Clark suffering that big time injury. Right. Like, it, it's that that's a lot to try to overcome. You know, Tyus Jones is obviously very competent, but if Ja misses 50 games, good night. Good I night. Would, if I'm that, I just tank. You know, oh my sure. God, you loser. What a loser mentality. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying the can't. whole season. I mean, see what that group can do, but let's be realistic about it. They'd, like, be, one, they'd be like our surprise Utah Jazz team mm, of the, the season. Yeah, the, the, the league. Of the league. The, in the, this is good, the conspiracy theorist, theorist would be talking about the league, oh. giving them the number one pick. <laughs> Like to make up for the jaw suspension. Now. Ooh, that would be the big conspiracy oh, theory. I love NBA conspiracy theories. My God, <laughs> Tank Mason—that's <clears throat> what they're calling him. What do you do? Do you think that the Grizzlies got humbled? Like, do you buy that, or would you have to see it? I, I'm not around it, so I'd have to see it. Like, but you know, you just see how no, they act. Like next year, do you think they're kind of keeping the same persona, kind of that? Walking around like we're the shit all I, the time. I hope not, but they might. I mean, who knows? Who knows if if Jaw is humbled by whatever suspension? I mean, he wasn't humbled after the first time he got caught uh, in getting in trouble. So, yeah. like, who, who, like, you know, if we were covering the Grizzlies, I think you and I would have more of a um, feel on they're really going to change or whatever. But okay, if we were. If we were Deuce and Mo, but we did exclusive Memphis Grizzlies content yeah. because we 
are born and raised in Memphis, uh-huh. we would be outraged right now. Well, first we'd be Bruce and Joe. Yeah, Bruce and Joe. Okay. Talking about the Memphis Grizzlies Love and it. what's happening this offseason. The first thing I'm talking about is that this is ridiculous with John Morant. Like, one, it should be announced by now. Ooh, I like this. Anything more than 20 games is an embarrassment. <laughs> yes. Okay, anything more. And Dylan Brooks, like, I just think the vibes are going to be completely better without him. It's going to be a change, but I'll tell you, I could not watch his missed shots all the time. I, I was done with it. I could not and, see it. And I heard only three teammates even really liked him. And, I mean... I don't know. What uh, what moves can you make? Could we get Jalen Brown? Yes, yes. But here's the thing. I'm not giving up John Morant, Jaron Jackson, or Desmond Bain. Uh, Sorry. They're off the table. And then they'll try to obviously talk about the Mavs story, <laughs> Kyrie and the Mavs story, and relate it to a situation where maybe the Memphis Grizzlies can get LeBron James. That's coming up in 60 seconds. Oh, man. I I. Bruce and Joe. What's up, Thunderbird? Thanks for hanging out with us. If you haven't yet, make sure to hit the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel as well. Um, Frank Vogel, the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Congrats, Frank Vogel. I'm glad he's getting another shot. Seemed like the Lakers job is so unfortunate. The guy wins a championship. Seems like he's pretty respected, and they show him the door. It's kind of annoying. And you know why they showed them him, showed them, showed him the yeah. door, you know, and that's the, also the annoying part about it. Um, yeah. And we always talk about it being a tough league, but it seemed like, you know, he's done some good things. So why not get an opportunity? Um, interesting though, if the Phoenix Suns already had him in mind when they fired Monty Williams. They did, or you're wondering if they did? I'm wondering if they did. Well, it seemed like there was his name wasn't really put out heavy in the initial rumors. I mean, I felt like in the lead up, there was a lot of talk about Kevin Young, who was on the staff, like, oh, he's going to get the job. Remember, Jordy Fernandez was also in the mix there for a minute. Then he had Doc Rivers' name. So the story is funny because it was put out like Doc Rivers has pulled his name out of the race for the Phoenix Suns' next head coach. And within like minutes, it was Frank Vogel just became the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns. And it's just hilarious to me that this is like the new thing with stories. It's like, if there is a coach involved, he gets a heads up that he doesn't get the job. He is allowed to release. I'm just pulling my name out of this. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm just moving on. It's like, no, you. they just didn't hire you because they don't want you. Correct. You're not pulling your name out. No. Like, We'll give you that courtesy, I guess. It is. A it's very, weird. It's, it's a, a weird one. Very it's weird like, one. It's okay. Like, not every coach is going to get the job. It doesn't mean that you're any lesser. <laughs> like, Doc Rivers is going, uh, I'm done with this. I'm pulling my name out. And then the Suns go, fine, I guess we'll go with Frank Vogel. Like, that's not Thir- how it happened. Within 30 seconds, yeah. too, by the way. It is interesting, though, that Kevin Young stays on and becomes, like, one of the highest paid assistants in the NBA. The Suns liked him a lot. Maybe they weren't sure he could be the head guy quite yet. And to keep him, they had to pay him a lot. Yeah. He could have gone somewhere else, right? And maybe he could have rejoined Monty Williams in Detroit. Instead, he stays there. I wonder how Vogel feels about that. Like, the guy that was on the staff last year is definitely one of the prime candidates to get the head coaching job. 
And now he's on your staff as the highest paid assistant. Like, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't care that much. Maybe he knows. Maybe okay. he's like, you know, I'm I'm here to keep developing him and have him here because he is great. Um, and we're going to work together to win a championship <laughs> with Kevin Durant. I mean, that's... You got to find a coach that is willing to do something like that. It's just interesting. I just think that, you know, you want trust sometimes, right? Sure. On your staff. Sure. And I don't know how comfortable I am with like, I just got this new deal. How short's my leash? They kept that guy around and made him the highest paid assistant. And he's on my staff. And maybe like, their relationship okay. is something else that comes in. Like, oh no, we love each other. Like that trust is there. Um, they want, they they want the same thing. They want to win. It's not about who's lead and who's not right now. And maybe it will later on if things don't work. Good for him to get paid too. Um, a million, man. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Did you? I thought I saw something too that Stephen Silas is going to be on Monty Williams' staff in Detroit. Yeah, and then Terry Stotts is going to be on Adrian Griffin's staff cool. with the Milwaukee Bucks. Speaking of coaches. Can we talk about this for a second? Rick Adelman getting honored over the weekend. Of course, he's in the Hall of Fame and one of only 10 coaches in NBA history to have won more than 1,000 games. He won the 2023 Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award that was announced by the National Basketball Coaches Association the other day, and then he was announced in Denver where his son plays. He's on Michael Malone's staff. Rick Carlisle presents him with that honor. What an amazing, I don't know, he, he has had such an impact on the game of basketball, so yeah. it was amazing to see him kind of get the love he deserves, and the Kings really need to do something for him ASAP. I 1 billion percent agree. The last time he was at a Kings game in Sacramento, I believe, was at the final game at Arco Arena. He hasn't been back since, and that's fine. He doesn't live in town or anything like that, but like... This guy is a Hall of Fame coach, and a lot of the reason he's in the Hall of Fame is because what he accomplished as the head coach of your team. And before this season, he was the only coach to have a 500 season, right? Yeah. And he did it eight years in a row. You became a championship contending team. You became relevant. And coaches around the league use his corner series. They use his offense because of how, one, how efficient it is, but as a fan, how pleasing it is to watch that style of play. So I just rattled all this info about Rick Adelman. And the Kings haven't honored him in Sacramento Golden One Center yet. And I don't know, like, maybe he doesn't want to come back. I don't know. The reality is, I I don't care if he's not going to be there. We'll figure something out. A statue outside Golden One Center or some acknowledgement inside the building for him. He's 76 years old, and I hate what happens is we wait for someone to die before we honor them. That's such bullshit, and And, you don't want that to happen. And hopefully Rick Adelman has another 25 years on this planet, but I'm just being honest, too. He's 76 years old, so... Not old, but, but you know, here, he's the, he's an innovator of the game, like of basketball. Yeah. You know, it's not just like you said, what he accomplished in Sacramento. You think about this game and when someone comes and does something special with it to make it better um, and they're in your town, 
and then they create successful basketball in your town, absolutely he needs to be honored, especially in a basketball town like Sacramento. Statue or what would you go with? I honestly, I think a lot of people, which I think is so dumb, would be like, no championship, oh, not a statue. That. And that's my point. It's like, no, no, this isn't about the Kings, just the Kings. This is about what he did for the it's game. Also, Give him the effing statue. Also, like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Well, it's about I what he means in Sacramento. <laughs> it doesn't I don't care if fan fans in Memphis or L.A. or Boston are clowning you because you put a statue of Rick Adelman. When people come to Sacramento Kings fans, they, they, that's what they're acknowledging. It's Sacramento's history. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He won a lot of games for you. Build a statue. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea of statues. I, 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 never, I like the statues outside Oracle Park in San Francisco. It's funny. We've talked a lot about statues and like, would there really ever be a, a statue of a Kings player or something yeah. outside? And this is the first time we've talked about it so confidently with someone that has been with this organization. You and I have not had this type of statue talk about Rick <laughs> Adelman before. I'm serious. And yeah. I think I think truly that achievement that we saw last night, it's like, yeah, what are we what are we doing? This can't be an oversight. Yeah. And like do it when he gets to be celebrated in person. Now, how tall is the statue? Do you do it to hit what his height was as an NBA player, as sure. an NBA coach now? Oh, or or do you make it like no. it's giant? Like it's bigger than the Jeff Koons speech it's, out there? It actually replaces the Jeff Koons speech. <laughs> yeah. It is bigger. It's like this 20-foot thing of Rick Adelman looking yeah, no. over. <laughs> Just this. looking at all of you, telling, coaching you. Um, no. No, no. You're doing a spot where you can... You don't want to do, see, you don't want people to believe though, there should be multiple statues. Let's not overdo the statues. Like, let's not overdo things. I hate, like, retiring numbers, overdoing, except not all teams do that. Who does the circle? Phoenix does. I'm sure other teams. Okay. Phoenix kind of, uh, yeah. I think the Suns do, or they did at one point. We're, we're yeah. So, um, just don't overdo it. I hear you. Did you see the new Apple Vision Pros that I came did. out today? I did. I saw trending like uh, it was, but $3,500 or something like that's what was trending. $3,500 for these things. Yeah. It's weird. That's it's very weird. weird. I just, I can't. Explain what it is. It's almost like a VR headset. And I mean, look it up too, right? If you're listening to yeah, us, you're, but, you probably know how to look this up just right now. Like, but look like, at it. I like when it's a VR headset yeah. that you put on that's connected to something, and it unlocks a VR experience. I think like anything, you can watch things, and it looks like a, there's a TV in front of you. You can make the TV larger. You could take change the surroundings, but people could still see your eyes if you want. You could still. Communicate, communicate with your eyes. Yeah, um, which is strange. You can but go to apps in your phone and yeah. So it looks big and bulky, and looks I like just space helmet. The thing is, I just don't think eyes. we're ever going to get to a point where we're comfortable with like, hey, we're just wearing some like big ass headset all the time, as yeah. I wear headphones to listen to audio to make sure all it's the okay. time. Not, oh. but see, but not all the no, time. No, but just the idea of wearing that it. I'm sure if the technology advances and it's like a contact lens or something crazy like that, so, something less intrusive or like you said, like some sort of weird chip implanted, you would get to the point. Black mirror shit. Yes. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, it's... 
And I'm sure at some point we'll be right there um, at that point. I think people think it's funny, but I'm sure this world will be. Um, but at the same time, yeah, a chunky thing on my face. What if I'm trying to watch like a chunky thing on my face? No, like think about it. It's on my face. It's not yeah, on yeah, my yeah. ears. Like these are chunky yeah. headphones. They're on my ears right across my eyes. Like I know I can see through and everything, but I just think about all of this. And I go, where's the human interaction going to go? Because what you you're not going to want to use those when you're with people. And I mean, I hope that you're with people a lot. Or what if you fall in love with this way of life? And so then you don't give a shit about human interaction because you're like, uh, I like watching movies by myself on this uh, 3D, whatever eyeball things. What is it called? <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> Three, not 3D eyeball thingies, uh, the Apple Vision Pro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Apple Vision Pro. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it definitely isolates you. Like, you don't give a shit about anything else. But the commercial had this dad cooking a quesadilla for, like, his little girl or something. Or, like, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. And, and it was showing, like, look, I can still interact with my daughter while wearing these Apple Vision Pros. While checking my text messages on right. my phone or looking at scores or I don't know. Who knows what that you could be watching at that point. It, what? Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm talking to my wife, yet the guy's watching like porn on his VR Oh headset. my God. Well, I'm just saying, like you don't yeah. know what these creeps and are doing. That's great point. Creeps. Only creeps are going to buy these. <laughs> $3,500. Yeah. I mean, I try, but the, the thing is, I, I've, I've experienced like other VR headsets. It's cool. The technology is amazing, but, and I see why these are different because you could still see out of them. You're not enclosed completely unless you want it to be, but it's still kind of disoriented. You, you just feel weird when you take it off, right? You just... Like back to reality. It's bad. No, it's just, I don't know if dizzy is the right word. I just feel weird after wearing it for an extended period the of VR time. The VR thing? Yeah. Really? I don't like it. Oh my gosh. I've had fun with some of the VR ones. JoJo in the chest is, but imagine watching the games from courtside view with the headset. Yeah, some of it looks like that. I just, so, hey, sorry, kid. You got to watch the normal TV. I got to watch on my uh, headset. By myself. That's how I'm watching the game. Are you going to buy a whole bunch of headsets for the whole thing? Hey, everyone, put your headsets on. It just seems so weird. Yeah, let's watch as a family with our headsets. The technology is pretty epic, though. I saw some of the videos. I'm like, I mean, it looks pretty freaking cool. I Absolutely. just can't imagine wearing something that, that bulky. As yeah, a, and making it like they're trying to make it like it's an everyday thing where you, this guy's like also like Cooking. editing photos yes. on, you know, using his hands because of this platform of Apple Vision Pro. You can do so much on it. Cool. Like, is that is that where we're headed? Like yeah. I could have like two monitors in front of me and I'm I, doing work. Now that you kind of say it like that, I kind, we should get some for the podcast and we both wear them. Well, yeah, let's spend it. All we have to do is spend Seven after taxes almost eight thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Oh my god. I would like to try them out though. Yeah, for sure. It it would be really cool. I got a chat GPT for you guys today. Okay. It's our weekly Would you rather scenario involving the Sacramento Kings. I asked Chat GPT. Ooh, and they come up with different ones? Yeah. Okay, that's you can keep good. asking. All right. Well, All right, let's see here's the would you rather from as we talk about technology taking over, ChatGPT, AI. Would you rather have the Sacramento Kings win the NBA championship, but their victory is, is erased from history 
and no one remembers it except you or have the Kings consistently make the playoffs for the next 10 years but never advance past the first round. Okay, uh, well, kind of dumb because the first one is like, everyone would be like, okay, you're crazy. Yeah. Like that. So what would be the point if you can't celebrate that with others? Like, okay, so you like the other one. Yeah, then. that's, I mean, that's the communal but part. So, I think some people sports. would be like, yeah, I felt that. I, I felt the Kings winning a championship. That feeling is unlike anything. I experienced it in that life. It happened now. No one remembers. I'm sure it could drive you crazy, but the moment of feeling that joy, and you know that they won a championship, that would be it'd be pretty cool. No, I it wouldn't. It honestly it would not feel fun if I couldn't celebrate that with others. And I'm like saying to you right now, no, Deuce, I remember the Kings won a championship, and you're just like, shut the f up, Morgan. Like that would that would suck. That would honestly, if I couldn't share yeah. that and celebrate with you guys, no. So you'd pick ten years. Yep. Easy. Yeah. Didn't we experience that? I think I agree. Thank I do. You. Because you, you, what the, the whole point of winning sports, winning in sports is to, as a, as a fan, is to enjoy those moments with your people too. And like, for I mean, we talk about a team who didn't win it. We're like, man, those 0-2 Kings, the 0-3 Kings. <laughs> exactly. If you just erase that, like, what would we talk about? Well, and Steven has a great point. The part, the the best part of winning is acknowledgement yeah. by all the haters. I don't care about them. I'm ki- obviously they're kidding. Like I don't think he's kidding. Oh really? Oh, it was a funny joke. <laughs> What's the next one? Wait, imagine being the only one to know about the beam and explaining that to other NBA fans. I know that, like the beam. That would be really, people would be like, oh, okay, she thinks she's abducted by aliens. But the beam lit, and we all gathered, and it was a wonderful time. You're like, okay, crazy ass. What drug yeah, yeah, yeah. did she take? Yeah, Steven was joking, by the way. This is a funny one. It's weird, because it's, it's kind of like what happened. Would you rather have the king secure a new state-of-the-art arena with all the modern amenities and comforts, but the team struggles to find success on the court? Yeah, we felt that for about so seven I, years in I know what Cold that's One like. Center. Or have the kings play in a historic and iconic arena filled with limited facilities, but the team consistently performs at a championship level? Oh. Well, we oh. experience even the half-assed facility with Arco Arena at the end. Yeah. And I would, if there was winning basketball in there, I think the whole building would come down, but I don't care. I'd want to experience it. I would not care where you played. Yep. If you are, if you are competing at a championship level every single year and you play at the worst arena in sports, cool. Buy, I'll buy tickets. That's fine. Yep. Wait, our arena hosts finals games. Love you winning. Know, Love en- winning. Enjoy your new arena. Yeah. Oh, we know what it's like to win. Yeah. Like that's... you get to say that shit. I want to say that. I want a truly challenging one on this. I yeah, say. I, I'll update that. <laughs> I was gonna put rated R, but no, I don't want rated R. I want um, just add the word challenging. It's probably that would work. Would you rather have the Kings be known for producing a steady stream of talented rookies who eventually leave the team for bigger markets and more success? 
Or if the Kings become a perennial powerhouse consistently making deep playoff runs, but never being able to retain their star players for more than a few years. That's a really weird one. Well, um, the first one is have the Kings be known for producing a steady stream of talented rookies. Yeah, who eventually leave the team for a bigger market. But is there a championship involved? Oh, well then... Or have the Kings become a perennial powerhouse. I'll take the powerhouse with yeah. the guys leaving. If Come It's kind of like the, the Miami Heat have just been steady throughout their journey. How many like awful, terrible years have the Miami Heat had in the Pat Riley era? I mean, they've had some bad years, but they're pretty much competitive. Yeah. I mean, even as an organization, you know... It's it's crazy to see the stability that they've had since they hired Pat Riley in '95. It's some pretty good teams, you know. They didn't win their that first championship uh, until Shaq came over, joined forces with D Wade. But like, they had a bad year to get. They got D Wade and Haslam in that draft. They were pretty competitive, up and down. They were yeah. just always in things. Yeah, and they stick, but they also stick with people they believe in i mean whether you have the lebron bosch wave yeah yeah and and again and you think about eric spolstra um all the chatter around him after that first year fire spolstra let's get rid of him nope because they trust their guys and that was happening in the year too yeah and they run with what they know is good they trust that they know basketball Here's the last one I'm going to do with ChatGPT. Okay. Would you rather have the Kings go through a prolonged rebuilding phase, enduring several seasons of low performance and missed playoffs, about that, but eventually build a championship caliber team with sustained success, or have the Kings consistently make the playoffs year after year, but always fall short of winning a championship? I think obviously the first one, and we might have had this one before because there's nothing like the lows leading to the highs and the journey of the high. There's nothing like it. And then it said sustained success after that. I'd pretty much pick winning a championship over any other possibility. Pretty much. Like if they're like, hey, you can win a championship, but they'd never win one again. I'm like, well, I think the last Kings one, if you want to count it, is, you know, Rochester in like 1951. Yeah. That... That mu- that's generations ago. Right. Can you believe there might be a time that we will never be able to do these chat GPTs again because the Kings will win a championship and it's like we can't yeah, think yeah. of that scenario? It's through September 2021, so their update too. No, no. But my point is, is like there's going to be a day where we're going to know what it feels like. I'm just assuming we're going to know what it feels like. Winning that's an cute. NBA championship. You might. I mean, you I, don't might. Know. I know. Isn't it? Then when I really think about that, that's sad to think that I could go a lifetime without feeling an NBA championship in my city. Oh my God. It's really I mean, tough. it's just, it's hard to do. It is. It's really hard to do. Believe, believe, believe. I so mean, I don't want to do these chat GPTs and I'll know what it feels like. We haven't had a ton of different champions. What's good is like the last few years, okay, maybe some. Fresh faces come through. It's like, oh, not not really Milwaukee. You know, this year we're going to have potentially a first-time champion with Denver. But since 2007, Morgan, yeah, you've had 
San Antonio win two. The Lakers win one, two, three. Ugh. The Warriors winning their four. You have a one-off with Dallas in there. Miami has won two. Like, it's not like there's a whole bunch of different teams winning every year. It's like, ah, here's a nice, here's a run by the Lakers winning all these in a row. Right? God, I know. No, it's so, it's, it is so weird. It's weird thinking about too, how many fans go through a lifetime of their team just sucking. (laughs) And like, at least we experienced within our lifetime, some really good basketball from our hometown team. Yeah. So, all right, perspective. I appreciate that. Appreciate the little thing. I, I believe, I, I like you believing though. Oh, yeah. I'm fingers crossed, like super believe, putting all that energy out there. Cause I just, like, what's the point to life if you don't? Oh, yeah. Shit? <laughs> well, we still have connections with team. I mean, it goes back to what uh, we said earlier. Talking, we talked about Harry Giles earlier in his connection with Sacramento. This team sucked, but there's something special about it. There's something looking <laughs> back at like certain moments on bad teams. You remember the feeling going, that was like a fun moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's true. Gotta enjoy it. You gotta enjoy it all. Make sure if you have not yet hit that thumbs up button, make sure you're subscribed. Morgan, do you have any final thoughts on night chat tonight? How long have we been on? An hour 42. <laughs> Oh my God. I've been having so much fun this off season. So thanks everyone that keeps joining us live for these. And then everyone else after that goes and watches and listens. But, um, yeah, it's been fun talking about all the random things going around the NBA and the Kings aren't a part of like almost any of these stories too. There's no drama with it. There's no, um, crazy pick that is going to change their franchise forever that we have to be like, fingers crossed for you know it's just it's chill it's it's kind of a weird pace i was thinking about i was having a conversation with someone about that today where last year at this time we were talking about head coaching candidates Mm. Mm. we were talking about the kings have the number four pick who what are they doing with it are they trading it are they taking jay and ivy are they talking about keegan murray what about Matherin? Could they trade down? Get multiple? Think about all the conversations. It was like nonstop rumors because you had coaching and you had a top pick all the time. And now it's like, ah, 24th pick. Yeah, okay. What will they do with it? There's a lot of guys there. It's just not the same type of intensity yes. or feeling around the offseason quite yet. But the buildup's going to come. There's going to be rumors as we get closer. And then free agencies here. It's just, it's been more fun talking about that stuff with other teams in the offseason. I'll, I'll admit that. It's just, um, because I do, I love drama, but I never liked it when it was with the team I cover. So, very thankful. That's the note I, I'll leave you on. I, I'm thankful. I on do this want Monday. some rumors. I do want some rumors. Um, we'll be dropping two podcasts later this week. Wednesday, we've got Bobby Gerald from HoopObsession.com talking about the NBA draft and our draft continue uh, coverage continues coming up on Friday with Jeremy Wu from ESPN. He was a longtime SI, SI guy, amazing work with Sports Illustrated. He travels all over the world watching prospects, super locked in. Now he's doing work with ESPN. We asked him about 
what the Kings should do at 24, all the Victor hype. There's a lot of good stuff there. So enjoy that coming up Wednesday and Friday. Make sure if you're listening to us to rate us on Spotify, give us a five-star review. Also, you could do the same thing on Apple Podcasts so more and more people could check out our podcast and night chats we do, conversations we have, a lot of content. And if you're listening to this, make sure to check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash where we are posting content every single day. Love you guys. But we got to go. Ugh, you all have a wonderful Monday night. See ya. <laughs>